0: And now, your host, Dr. Bobby Maybe. Hello, everybody. This is the Forward Thinking Chiropractic Alliance podcast, Forward. My name is Dr. Bobby Maybe, DC, and I am pleased to introduce to you my guest today, Kevin Christie, DC. Um, he, has, he wears multiple hats. He does multiple things, uh, and he's going to probably do better at explaining all those things to you than I would. Um, so let's not uh, mess around. Let's cut straight to the chase. Kevin, it's a pleasure to have you on the show. Tell everybody about yourself and what you're doing.
1: Uh, thank you. It's exciting to be on here. Uh, like you mentioned, I am a chiropractor. I've uh, been doing this since 2005, the end of 2005. Came, came out of Logan and moved back down to South Florida where I'm originally from. And, you know, I kind of ran the gamut. I did about a year and a half of an associate. I had a really good experience with that in many ways. Uh, a lot of it, I think, led me to. Um, being able to eventually build my own practice that kind of parlayed into a partnership I did for a few years. And then in 2010, I opened up my own office in Boca Raton, Florida, you know, kind of a sports chiropractic type of office. Uh, and then
0: just kind of grew from there. The reason I got you on this show and the reason I love you and want to keep you next to me for all <laughs> my life is because you know your stuff around marketing. You are yeah. you are, in my definition, a marketing badass. <laughs> thank you, thank you. Um, and that's that's probably what we're going to talk about most mostly through this show. Mm-hmm. But when we start these shows, I always tend to ask every guest who is a practicing chiropractor um, what you think the state of the profession is in your eyes at this point in time.
1: Yeah, I, I think it's exciting. You know, obviously, the first step to have that um, excitement for the profession is to get rid of some of the. Um, old uh, thought process of what it is. You know, I know you've thrown the term around and it's always funny to hear, but the Mercedes eighties, you know, you're not going to put stem and hot pack and adjust someone and get $163 anymore. Uh, But that's fine because if you go back in time to those chiropractors, they really were pigeonholed into, um, you know, one type of clinical setting really, and they weren't accepted by a lot of different uh, entities or aspects. And so for me, I think. We're, we're really breaking down barriers to where, yeah, insurance doesn't reimburse like it doesn't too. And there's, it, it used to, there's obviously there's more competition in certain cities and towns. Cost of living has gone up. Cost of running a business has gone up. I, I get it all, but that's just every industry. Uh, but what's exciting about chiropractic is you can get into sports teams, you know, most NFL teams, most major league baseball teams, almost all professional teams have chiropractors. Most of the universities do. The military is looking at it. Corporations are bringing chiropractors on. Uh, I ran my practice inside of two different orthopedic groups until I was able to buy my own office space and I worked hand in hand with them. And that wasn't happening in the 1980s. So I think it's, it's an exciting time if you look at it that way and you really prepare yourself clinically uh, to, to take advantage of it.
0: Um, and not only prepare yourself clinically, but you've got to be prepared for the war out there uh, of being able to distinguish yourself uh, beyond your colleagues, because to some degree, uh, because of the Mercedes eighties primarily, but uh, the thought processes in the business that have gone on since then uh, have commoditized chiropractic to a certain degree where uh, you know, if you, if you're a patient and you're saying, I want to go to a chiropractor, I think there's certain expectations and uh, I don't think the younger chiropractors understand that uh, their job nowadays isn't just to deliver what people expect, but to distinguish themselves. I, I couldn't
1: agree more, and I think one of the things that I tried to do for a while, and it's always sometimes interesting, where I couldn't give you an exact percentage, but there's a fair amount of my patients that don't even realize I'm a chiropractor sometimes, and some, you know, some chiropractors be like, "Oh, that's a bad thing." Well, for me, it's because I've put into my community. And then the mindset of the, um, I guess, of my audience around my community is that I'm just the place to go to get rid of whatever they're having, you know, musculoskeletal wise. And I could be, uh, and I, you know, whatever it is, they don't care. They just know that this is the place to go to and to get better quicker and they're willing to pay that premium for it. So it's, it's definitely worked out in my advantage to do that because I, I definitely have higher cash rates and I'm only in network with a couple insurances. And it's just been about developing uh, that skill set to, to do it.
0: That skill set, would you say it was based upon what, what was front-loaded first? Was it your clinical skills that front-loaded that and drew these type of people to your office? Or was it front-loaded with the marketing you did to attract a certain type of patient?
1: Yeah, I was uh, when I was uh, probably a try four in chiropractic school, I started diving really heavily into the clinical side of thing. For me personally, Motion Palpation Institute was kind of my savior, you know, like I know, forward thinking chiropractic group is becoming that for a lot of people, which is great. But back in 2002, 2003, we didn't have that, obviously. But MPI was there as a club. And I almost was lost. I always I knew I wanted to work with athletes. I, When I was at Florida State University, I was on the strength and conditioning team there. I enjoyed that side of things. I, I just thought that's where I was. But when I got into Logan, I almost got sucked into the wrong direction. But instead, I found MPI and it really got me heavy into the clinical side of things. And then I, I spent my first five years just full on in that. But at the same time, I guess I've always had this little bit of a a drive. Uh, I was also doing a lot of public speaking in my community. You know, I think in 2005, six and seven, you know, social media wasn't big, but I was doing a lot of injury prevention talks for runners. I was doing a lot of stuff at gyms. I was holding workshops at the, at our uh, office. I was doing a lot of that type of networking and marketing and public speaking. And so I think it was kind of goes hand in hand. I didn't really know it at the time because I wouldn't say I totally dove into the, the real uh, understanding of marketing until I opened up my own practice in, in 2010. So to, you know, long drawn out answer clinically, I really started out heavily. That's what I just focused on. But at the same time, I was not sitting behind my computer during, you know, an hour between patients.
0: What? (laughs) No.
1: Now I do sometimes not
0: yeah well I mean you kinda almost have to um yeah uh well, you know we 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 revisit this theme a lot in mm-hmm. the forward thinking chiropractic alliance, Facebook group and elsewhere is this idea that no matter what you do marketing wise, you still have to uh you know shake hands and kiss babies, so to speak, yeah you know you still have to make eye contact with people and show them you're a decent human being face-to-face and, and things like that or, or you're never going to complete the deal. Correct. Um, but but w- that just leads to this, this sort of thought process uh, before we get further into some marketing stuff <clears throat> that there are, there are people out there on their keyboards and not in groups, not meeting people, not out in the community who also have this sort of thought process of uh, scarcity. That there aren't enough patients out there not enough people want to see chiropractors the Mm -hmm. market is flooded and and it's too hard for them to compete and all these other things Um, we almost got into a little conversation before this started about scarcity in the profession but um, maybe we should dispel some of those myths for some of the younger listeners right now
1: (laughs) yeah i think i think it runs rampant in in our society I think it runs rampant in, in almost all industries. And it's that, um, you know, scarcity, victim mentality, it's not fair. They tend to focus on the things that make, that are difficult uh, versus maybe seeing an obstacle and realizing it could be the the path they need to take to, to actually achieve success. And it's just, it's definitely running rampant in our profession where I think there's a, a misconception that just because you went to school for say seven or eight years and you spent a lot of money obviously in financial aid that, or student loans and such that, um, you know, that you're deserved of that six figure income. And this just isn't a profession uh, for that. Un- you know, unfortunately uh, there are some, you know, like if you became a, a brain surgeon, yeah, you're going to make six figures. Uh, I had a friend that was a-, a retina specialist, one of the top universities, and he came out with a $400,000 a year salary. But Um, you know, that's there, there's few and far between. And then the other reality of it is some of those uh, surgical professions, law professions, so like that, uh, these folks are working uh, ungodly hours and ungodly stress. And uh, not everybody wants to to deal with that either.
0: Uh, I know I don't. There, um, there's a new Will Smith video that's kind of going viral right now. And he's, he's talking, he says, there's two different things. There's, um, thing, there's your fault and your responsibility and I haven't seen the whole video I just watched a little bit of it mm-hmm. but he says yes in the world there are tons of things that are not your fault yeah. uh, and then there there are things that are your responsibility and he, he sort of delineates this and yeah chiropractic doesn't have the best reputation amongst the healing arts it's not as accepted mm-hmm. and, and yeah if you're a young chiropractor that's not your fault but it's your responsibility to make it more accepted and to make it more of a mainstream profession.
1: Uh, That's great. That's a really good, you know, like, uh,
0: you know, insurances don't reimburse well for chiropractic coverage, not like they used to in the quote unquote Mercedes Mm eighties. That's not your fault. I get it, but it's your responsibility to get paid what you're worth. I'm just making this stuff. This is how good I am. I'm just making it up right now. <laughs> um, as soon as Will Smith started talking, about it, I'm like, I know what he's talking about. Um, only 8 to 10% of the world uses or the, the public uses chiropractic services. Mm-hmm. Now, that's not your fault, but it's your responsibility to get more people on board. Um, and you do that through marketing, through ethical relationships with other people, mm-hmm. And through getting out in the community and letting people know what kind of services and what kind of things you can do, do for them and how you can provide for them.
1: Yeah. And I think a lot of people are, they have a very difficult time looking into the mirror and and facing what is the problem and then addressing it. Because obviously they'd have to uh, address some of their own issues uh, with that. And and I think that's the first step is, you know, it's hard to complain about the profession if you're not doing any External marketing. If you're not meeting with people, if you're not setting up uh, workshops or talks, or you know, just meeting and having coffee with with someone that could be a prospective refer to you, you just you're just not doing it. Uh, or maybe yeah, you that's, are. That's actually your fault. If you're not doing it, that's your fault. That's yeah, not- correct. That's your fault. And then then there's the other group, and this is again this. Sometimes you have to have reality checks. Then there's the group that is out there doing stuff, and they say, "Well, I'm doing this and I'm doing that." but they're not doing it effectively, right? Like everybody can do, but can you do it effectively and achieve the results? And if you're not, you have to look at that as well. You know, you have to, maybe you have to improve as a public speaker. Maybe you have to improve with your social skills and and your networking. Those are skills, you know? And I think that's one of the things that goes without saying is that, uh, you know, we could all face reality. I remember looking in our, I think there was a hundred people in our class and I remember getting to know them after four years and you could kind of tell like, who was probably going to be successful and who was probably going to struggle. And if you, you know, like if, if you don't work on those things and, at, you know, now it's 12 years later that we all graduated, there's some where, yeah, we were right. And then there was others where it's like, wow, they really, you know, got out there and, and hit the ground running and worked you know, to get through their hurdles or get over the hurdles and they succeeded because they took that head on and did it. And I've got friends I got out of the profession because they just couldn't stomach it. So it's, it definitely runs the gamut, but I think it's a, a per, you know, phenomenal profession to to do very well and have a great quality of life, right?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It's, yeah. um, it does come out to some sort of level as a choose your own adventure. You, you do. I mean, one of the things that we, we fault the the sort of like straighter side of the chiropractic profession for is they take a lot of liberties with the evidence. They take a lot of liberties with claims made about what chiropractic can and can't do for the public. Mm-hmm. And they make a lot of, cl- they make a lot of, they take a lot of liberties with the scope of practice type issues. Yep. Um, and, and that is, that is one of the things that makes you grit your teeth about the choose your own adventure aspect of the chiropractic profession. But on the other hand, like you can literally carve out your own life however you would like yes uh, and if you're in an evidence and this is probably one of the fallbacks of the evidence-based crowd is mm-hmm. they're they're more a little more uh, uh rigid in their approach to how they treat people not much yeah. uh, but they are a little more rigid and um th- i don't think a lot of them realize that they can carve out their own story they can make their own practice approach they can do all these things ethically and with the evidence uh, they just have to be able to, with their marketing, distinguish themselves on how they're doing it differently.
1: They do. And I think one of the biggest flaws of the evidence-based crowd is that they they do tend to be good practitioners, right? Clinically, they they tend to be very good. And sometimes I think they rest on their laurels of that. It's like, well, I'm just going to be better than everybody else in my community. And, and that's just not the case. The, the sad reality of it is, is that, if you take two chiropractors, one is great clinically and evidence-based, but just does nothing to do any marketing or business development. And then you take the other chiropractor that sucks clinically, but is a mover and a shaker. I think we both know who's going to actually be more uh, financially and maybe uh, clinically, or not clinically, but practice-wise more successful. Right. You Absolutely. Know, and that, There's no doubt. Yeah. And that's, no frustrating.
0: Doubt. that's frustrating. That's uh, and, frustrating. And you can quibble over who gets better results too, unfortunately. Yeah, that's true too the, the, the thing is that chiropractic does work i mean you can you can almost uh i don't want to say a monkey can do it but i've seen <laughs> colleagues where we're not too many chromosomes away from monkey status and they're getting it done you know what i mean yes it's yeah. like uh you know you can't you you can't have this ego if you're an evidence-based based doc and you're looking across the table at these straight chiros and saying they don't get any results um because uh, I'm sure they do on some level, the way they measure them might be a little different. Yeah. And I think one of the positives with that group too, as long as they're doing things
1: within reason and ethical is they tend to be pretty passionate. And I, yeah. and I think that's a, that's a big factor uh, that uh, you have to have to be
0: successful in my opinion. I think you have to have a focus Yep. Um, and you have to be able to center everything you're doing within your office around that focus. Mm-hmm. And if you're, if you're somewhere in the middle and your focus is just to say, like, my focus is chiropractic. Well, you now create a focus where everyone else can fill in the blanks. Yes. Because they can fill in the blanks from their last chiropractor. They could fill in the blanks from the, the chiropractor that their aunt talked about who did them no good. I mean, mm-hmm. they can fill in the blanks. If you were to say like, I am a chiropractor who focuses on functional rehabilitation of spine related disorders, that sounds pretty wordy, but it's very, it's much more narrowed down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you can get even more narrow,
1: you know, and yeah. that's, yeah, that's a big yeah. thing. I think if, um, from a marketing standpoint, that, that, uh, led me to some success was the niche, of sports injuries, but then even sub niching below that, you know, like every, every chiropractor says they treat sports injuries, even if they don't, but they say they do. Uh, but I really niched into uh, runners, triathletes, golfers, and and luckily for me, football players down here in South Florida. And that helped, uh, yeah. obviously, yeah, it helped a lot, you know. And then even there was some carryover, you know, obviously, like I'm not going to get NFL players off the streets and they're looking and Google me and stuff like that, but. The other athletes, like the runner was like, "Oh wow, you treat football players like that would give me the social proof which would help out, so I niched really hard into the sports injuries and then really focused on those three and you know I did other things it 's not like I didn 't market to other types of athletics, but by hitting home runs on those three it spilled over to uh, yeah, the crossfitters like i 'm going to go there, the uh, tennis player i 'm going to go there so it really helped to niche and then once I owned that niche in my community. Um, about 2011, I started really with the corporate stuff and with the desk workers and added a second niche to it without diluting my original niche.
0: Yeah. And go into, oh, man, you just took me on two different roads that I want to go down. <laughs> uh, can we talk about the corporate stuff in a second? Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, and when we're talking about the niche stuff in marketing, you know, most people, you got to understand that the marketing thing with your niche has to, it has to be all encompassing. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're a sports person, but then you have sort of like whiplash and um, and all this other marketing stuff, like you shotgun blast your website yeah. with just a ton of information about general chiropractic stuff, mm-hmm. then you're going to miss the fact that you're trying to hone down on a niche. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or yeah. If, you, if inside your office, you're a sports chiropractor, but the poster's on the wall, or you don't even have posters, you just have general artwork. Mm-hmm. and uh, and nothing about sports in your waiting room i mean it it, it has to be all encompassing it has to it has to everything that you do when you practice has to point back to this primary function that you're trying to address correct if not you start to give out these mixed uh, messages about what you're trying to do and yep. then you can't solidify that social proof
1: no i agree and i think for me over the time it's um it has kind of we're, the way I look at it is we treat a lot of healthy, active lifestyle folks. And so even if they run across something that's me marketing for football or golf, they know they're active and they're going to come in. And that's even when you're thinking about certain things like naming your practice, right? The name of my practice is health fit. And that's kind of the brain, the, the branding that we have. And I was lucky to get that. I actually did that way before even like CrossFit and stuff. So I just got lucky. I was like, you know, I want something that's health, but also fitness. And, and I branded it that way because it, it, it exudes that. And I didn't really want to, I knew I wanted to open up a second location, which I did. So I didn't do my, my name. Um, So I wanted to really have a name that was encompassing of that niche that I, that I was. And so everything, when you walk into our office, it doesn't have a, you know, a wellness feel to it. Not that that's bad or good. It's just like, when you come to my place, you feel like you're in a more of a sports medicine type place and you know, and you're going to, you got a bunch of active rehab and it just seems like that's the type of place it
0: is. Yeah. It would be, it would be a, a, um, a breakdown in, in your continuity or a breakdown in your, um, in your message. If you had a yep. sports fit chiropractic and and mm-hmm. your waiting room looked like grandma's living room, you know?
1: And that's, you know, that's a good, it's a good thing because I'm in Boca Raton, Florida, which is like, retirement central of South Florida, but it's also, it's a very well developed uh, location where it's, it's a high affluent area and there's a lot of active people. There's a lot of families because the schools are good here. There's a lot of positives to it, but if I would have done my marketing wrong, my, my waiting room could definitely look like a morgue. (laughs) You know, it it could, it's, if anybody knows this city, it's, it's a huge retirement community, a lot of Medicare patients. So I did enough to where sometimes, yeah, you want to have kind of repulsion marketing. Like you want to repel some people from your practice. Like I don't do a ton of auto here. I get some, I, I wish I got a little more. uh, I get them usually from my patient that get into accidents or they refer their family members and friends in here. But I, you know, when an auto patient comes in here, you, you know, it's not going to look like an auto clinic and that could happen. I, I don't want that.
0: Yeah. I think a lot of the young chiropractors and uh, youngsters, if you're listening now, I, I remember what it was like. And sometimes I still find, and I see other practices and I, I sometimes I'll find my own where uh, sort of like a patient's a patient, you know, Yeah. and, and you're not going to to him and haul and pick and choose between what kind of patients you receive especially mm-hmm. when you're young and you're trying to get your practice going and you're like hey Medicare I'll take it uh yep. this one insurance that doesn't pay too well I'll take it mm-hmm. uh MVA I'll take it work comp I don't know how to do it but I'll take it and then you <laughs> take, and take and take yeah uh, and then what ends up happening is then you have this huge headache on your hands because you didn't like half of those patient cases you didn't like treating that type of patient. You didn't like dealing with that type of insurance company and doing all the hard work that you do and getting paid nothing for it. Yeah. And once again, none of that stuff is your fault. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but That's it's your true. responsibility to understand who you are as a person and as a doctor and then start yeah. to model your practice around what you like to do so that you can keep showing up to work passionately mm-hmm. and you can show up to work 100% for your patients and your staff and all that stuff. So Absolutely. It's like, um, the most important thing in all of this, I mean, before you even start marketing, before you start uh, going out into the community and introducing yourself, because you don't want to go out there and introduce yourself as Jim Smith chiropractor, because like I said before, other people will fill in the blanks. Before you start all this stuff, the first question you, ask, you have to ask yourself is, what do I want and who am I going to be? Mm-hmm. And you get to invent that character. Now, the, yep. the greatest example of inventing a character in our profession at this moment in time is good old Billy DeMoss out there in California. Yep. If y'all don't think he's playing a character, like a role, like he's, he's an actor upon a stage, then you have to check yourself. Mm-hmm. But you can learn something from that. You can, you can invent and create your own character and your own themes to follow mm-hmm. that are congruent with yourself. Um, and that's what you have to do before you would go into these endeavors of marketing and growing your practice and community outreach and things like that if not then you're gonna you're gonna get what you get and you have to not be upset about it correct I, I, a, a cluster f of patients that you wouldn't want in your office
1: exactly and you know to go back to kind of tying what you talked about earlier you know about the practice and, and making it your own and, and all that type of stuff and what you want to do. There's a lot of chiropractors out there doing amazing things, especially in the evidence-based world where they focused on a niche and they stuck with it and they really separated themselves. Uh, you know, and Greg Rose is an example of that who's going to be at Ford KC where, you know, they're the people in the golf world, they probably don't even know he's a chiropractor by right. training, right? right? Like we know because we hang our hat on it. Like, Oh, see, there's a chiropractor that has done something amazing in a, in a kind of transcended, uh, at the healthcare field. But he's someone that I remember learning from him before Titleist and knew like, okay, this guy's really got a passion for this. And he's focused, like you mentioned earlier, and now he's doing wonderful things. I, in 2011, I was fortunate enough to travel on the PGA tour, working with, with some golfers and I met other chiropractors like Troy Van Viesen and some others that are making really good livings focusing on high level golfers and that's all they do. Right. And they're doing great with it. Maybe you want to be the chiropractor for dance injuries. You can focus on that. And again, you're going to treat other people too, but become the expert in your community in something, you know, and I I think that's a way to looking at it.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and with that comes this other caveat, especially mm-hmm. as we go back to talking with the young chiropractors. If you're a student right now and you're listening to this, at some point in time, you have to make a decision of where you're going to sort of live and practice. Yeah. If you have this idea of where you, what kind of thing you want to do, like let's take golf. Mm-hmm. I, I want to be a golf chiropractor. And then you move to Minot, North Dakota. You're going to have a hard time. <laughs> Yes. You know, I want to be a NFL guy and you go to a place that has no NFL representation, Mm -hmm. you know, you're gonna have a hard time. Yeah. One of the most important things that you can do or the most important decisions you're gonna make and probably almost your entire career is deciding where you're gonna start. Mostly because there's this sort of like thing that happens as you get started there there's almost like a compound interest with the amount of time you spend in a certain community. The more time you spend in that community, the more social proof you build, the more people you meet, the more patients you tend to see, and then it builds and builds and builds. You don't get to do that if you show up to one town um, and then you're there for a month or two or a year and you realize you didn't like practicing there and you blame it on the, the poor uh, associateship you got, or you blame it on the fact that there's no patients in that town, or you blame it on this and that. Uh, you know, okay, well let's go back. I get it. That's not your fault, but it's your responsibility to pick a place that fits with your um, your desires and your needs to practice. So you can't choose a place to practice based on where your girlfriend wants to live, or um, you know that your 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 parents' basement. You can live in that for a couple of years while you're paying student loans. Uh you got to see you got to think of your vision while you're a student and then act upon that in ways that are are beneficial Um, along that line is you know you can't you you can't complain about how many patients there aren't when you moved and set up practice in a town of 10,000 people
1: yeah I mean that's that's business 101 you know you have to you really have to have an audience there or a market right you have to have a market to be successful. And there's a lot of cool markets in this country and outside of this country. And it's just about, you know, what is congruent with what you want to do and uh, what can sustain it. And uh, there's different, you know, there's different levels of sustainability. It's not, you know, in my town, there's a lot of people here and there's a lot more people here than there is maybe in a smaller town in Kentucky. But I can tell you some of the positives of Kentucky and that maybe that area is, Maybe there's less chiropractors there. Maybe your cost right. of living and running a business is way down. Like, right. You know, my, my rent here is astronomical. It's, but yeah, I can charge X amount per patient more than Kentucky, but I also have to pay a lot more <laughs> uh, to do so. So like it, you it can be a good small town. You just got to run those numbers. You got to do the demographics and check that out and make sure it is going to fit that.
0: And I'm uh, yeah, uh, yeah. not saying you can't, you can't figure it out as you go either. You might end yep. up in a town thinking you're going to be the sports doc and you start hanging out with people and meet people and realize, oh, there's like a huge equestrian or rodeo community in this town. Maybe yep. it should be the equestrian and rodeo chiropractor. Yep. You know, you can mix it up as you go. You just have to be authentic when you do it.
1: Yep. And, um, learn, and learn, about it, learn about it. You know, like I, people always ask me, am I a triathlete? You would think that I was a triathlete based on, you know, if, if I have 25 people come in today, how many of them are triathletes? It's pretty crazy how many are. So people just assume I'm a triathlete. And I was like, nope, I don't do it at all. But sure as hell learned a lot about it when I started talking to them and doing the injury prevention clinics and being part of the, the kind of community here with it. I, I know it inside and out from a, from a biomechanics standpoint, from an injury standpoint, from a sport. I can talk the lingo. Like I, I know
0: it. And so it, it works out pretty well. Yeah. The only distinguishing factor is you're a learned doctor and that means you're smart. And smart people don't run triathlons. That's exactly. That's that people ask me
1: man. that. That hurts.
0: Because
1: <laughs> people, patients of, that's will ask me work. that. They'll ask me that. I was like, oh, because I have my sanity. That's why I'm not. <laughs> hey,
0: you might check off one of those boxes. I'll go on a run. I'll ride my bike. I'll go for <laughs> swim, But I ain't doing all three at the same time. Come on now. <laughs> exactly. Um, corporate chiropractic. Yeah. Uh, uh, we got this thing coming up, Ford KC. Mm -hmm. Kansas City, June 1st through 3rd. It's the first uh, annual convention of the Forward Thinking Chiropractic Alliance. People can find out more at forwardthinkingchiro.com. I'm having you there for two separate and distinct different things. Mm -hmm. The first night we're doing an exposition of progressive practice, uh, like a TED Talk, and you're going to be doing a TED Talk on the corporate chiropractor or corporate chiropractic. Uh, can you give us a little preview, talk about corporate chiropractic and all that?
1: Yeah, absolutely. You know, before I do, I kind of want to tie together because it may seem sometimes when, you know, there are some people that know me only clinically and what I do in my community. And then there's people that think of me at the corporate chiro. Then there's think- people that think of me as marketing and it's like all these things going on. But if you're going to have, a, you know, a handful of things going on, they do need to be congruent with each other, right? It's not like I own a Subway. And I'm trying to do that, right? Right. Like like the sandwich shop. You can do these other business investments. That's fine. But everything that I do is really, it feeds each other. you know, okay, over the last five years, I spent a crazy amount of time and money learning about marketing. But guess what that does for my practice, right? Like, I feel like I can open up a third location and know that I've got a, a marketing strategy that's going to make that successful. Or, yeah, I do this stuff with the corporate stuff, but guess what happens when I link up with a corporation that's two miles from my office? I get referrals of friends and fam- family. And so it's all congruent with each other, and they kind of help feed each other, if,
0: if that makes sense. Absolutely. You didn't go into winemaking
1: Exactly. I didn't go into winemaking. I didn't go into anything that's just totally off-kilter of what I am as a, as a chiropractor. And so that's the big thing I want you to understand uh, with that. And I, I remember reading this. I couldn't tell you what book it was, but it was Dan Kennedy, who's one of the top marketers. And uh, he talks about having a little mini conglomerate, right? But it being congruent with each other, and that way it feeds off it, and you can grow. And so... That's my little mini conglomerate where I've got my two private practices that are sports chiropractic. We've got our corporate locations that we also do ergonomics with. But then on top of that, we sit the marketing knowledge on top of that and it helps it grow. Right. And so that's what we're trying. That's what we do as a business. And so to dive into the corporate side of things, yeah, we got lucky in 2011 and we uh, were approached by ADT security to provide on-site chiropractic care so we did and then that went into a second and into a third location and and kind of grew from there and we've been up to like seven locations where we've had on-site care and we've been down a little bit because I will pull the plug on some locations if I'm not seeing um the return on investment that should be there versus the time spent away from clinic. Cause I think that's a key factor. You and I, before we, we started recording, we we're talking about accounting and, you know, when you make an investment, what kind of return you should, should see on that. And so if you're doing, you know, a, a one day a week at a corporation and you're doing it for three hours and you're only getting X amount out of it, but that's taking away from the clinic that where you would have gotten that same amount of money, that's probably not a good situation. Unless maybe you see you're getting a lot of referrals of friends and family to your private practice. So yeah, you want to take some of that indirect revenue and, and put it into that equation as well. And so yeah, I haven't been afraid to to open some and, and close some, but es- essentially, We provide on site chiropractic at corporations and we also provide ergonomics. So we're certified in ergonomics to to do that.
0: Um, That takes us back to demographic conversations. This obviously works in some places pretty well, and other places you you might be hard strapped to find enough corporations to float this idea. Absolutely.
1: And you actually Um, mentioned earlier, sometimes you, you fall into a situation or like a, you move to an area and you realize, Oh, like I could be the rodeo guy. Right. Um, it's the same thing that happened here. When I moved in and opened my office in Boca Raton, there happens to be a huge corporate, um, presence here. Tons of corporations are here and I just fell into that niche. I wasn't planning on doing that, but once I realized, okay, you know, I'm highly trained in chiropractic and soft tissue and rehab. And I got certified in ergonomics. I was like, this is a good little niche. I'll start working on. And I, and I took the bull by the horns and went with it.
0: That's great, man. That's great. Um, I, I, well, I want, I, there's more that I want from you, but I don't know if we have enough time. (laughs) Um, so you know, I'll definitely have you on again. I was on your podcast. It went really well. Yeah. We'll have you on again as well. Um, Let's talk about your Facebook group. Yeah, the Modern Chiropractic Marketing Group. Yeah. Yeah, I
1: started that about a year and a half ago. And it's been going pretty well.
0: Can you tell people how to find it?
1: Yeah, go ahead and put that in the Facebook search bar there. Uh, You could also go to modernchiropracticmarketing.com and you could check out the podcast and the Facebook group uh, link is there as well. And, uh, you know, originally kind of just started it to get, I think again, going back, there's a big misconception amongst chiropractors, especially the evidence-based crowd that they, that marketing is cheesy because a lot of the chiropractic marketing is cheesy and it's old school and it's, really kills the profession, in my opinion. And it's a race to the bottom. So the overall, the overarching theme of this Facebook group is to avoid that commoditization trap to where you aren't a commodity and where you're implementing elegant marketing that honestly is almost in like it's invisible marketing, right? Where you don't feel like you're marketing. People don't feel like they're getting marketed to. They just feel like you're becoming a a really good content creator and you're an educator in your community. Uh, one of the things that I switched in my head it, for my business model here as far as marketing was to adapt the content marketing strategy and to really think of ourselves as an educator first and then everything else will flow from there. Like people are going to come in and see us for stuff. If we really educate the community on certain conditions and certain things that they can do, like give them as much as you can and value. They will come and see you. So once I made that switch, um, it's really helped grow our practice from an an ethical marketing standpoint that, again, seems like it's invisible uh, to to your community.
0: Well, there's a distinction there. Do you think you were able to switch naturally to that style of marketing because you are a little more established and you don't have to do the marketing that says, here I am, here's how I can help you, please come see me? Uh,
1: I think so. Yeah. I think there's a, a a transition period that goes on. I think early on, if you're starting out, you're not going to have the ad spend. You're not going to have the, uh, maybe the, the team around you to create enough content. You can definitely create plenty yourself, but you have to get out into the community. This is, and again, I still get out in the community. Um, I'm, I, I, do plenty in the community so it's not about that like for me I one of the things that I do and I try to talk to a lot of chiropractors in doing is that Facebook live interview series where I will pick a topic right I've done quite a few but one of them we did was injury prevention for runners and so I picked four different uh, specialists in that in that field like a, a running shoe store person a running coach, a fitness person that works with a lot of runners and triathletes. And I did Facebook Live interviews with them. So that's kind of that old school networking where I went to their facility. I met them face to face. I reached out to them. I built that rapport and relationship with them. But then I meshed it with the modern technology of Facebook Live. And it was a win-win in both ways. So uh, I'm not hiding behind digital marketing uh, I'm used we're using digital marketing and we're trying to automate it as best we can but still not lose that touch uh, but at the same time I'm getting out there and so I think if you're a younger chiropractor you've got to be getting out there consistently like as much as you possibly can but then implementing some of these other modern technologies uh, that allow us to 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 really get our message out better.
0: Perfect. Dude. Um, and listeners, I really recommend you join that Facebook group there. Um, I was always hesitant, uh, that's, I think the only marketing group that I'm in as far as social media groups. Cause I have always seen that the, so the, the social media Facebook group for marketing thing is usually a guy who's trying to market <laughs> some sort of guru that's allowing people in this group or not so that he can then target them. Mm-hmm. No, it chance. happens. It and happens. And for his shit but I've never been sold anything in your group and even the sharks that are in your group. And I know there's some sharks in that. Water, <laughs> uh, they have been behaving themselves very well. So it, I, it's a good, it's a good group to be in.
1: Can I touch on that a little bit? Yeah. Yeah. Cause, for sure. cause early on, you know, I, I uh, was doing the Facebook group with a, uh, with a partner of mine and he didn't want to let anybody else in that was doing anything in the realm of, you know, marketing or anything like that. I was like, you know what, I want this to try to be more of like a think tank and let's bring in some people that know marketing. So yeah, there's people in there that aren't your, you know, evidence-based chiropractors. Some of them aren't even chiropractors, but I know they offer something to the group from a marketing standpoint. And I've, you know, I've kind of discussed with them or set the tone in there that this is not going to be some of these other groups where it's cheesy ass stuff or it's unethical things. And so I think the tone has been set to where, yeah, there's definitely some people in there that are marketing and marketing to chiropractors and for chiropractors, but, uh, they tend to add value, not, uh, detract from it. And if they do, then, then they're gone. Uh,
0: and I've learned that bandhammer thing from you very well. <laughs> Size 12 boot kickback. <laughs> Kick rocks. Kick rocks. Um, yeah, you got to be on the team or you're just taking up space. Yeah. yeah Before definitely. we go, right now, out there listening at some point is some chiropractor or student that is in trouble, has done no marketing, has no idea how to market, has never done anything. Um, and right now, if they could do three things, what would be the first three things you told them to do? First thing, what is
1: if they're struggling, I would go through their financials as much as you can and get rid of every expense. That's not contributing to your practice. That is just kind of, uh, yeah, I just haven't gotten rid of that. So clean up your financials as best you can get very lean. So you're not stressed with that and, and try to really chip away at any debt that you may have with it. Get your mind right on that. Then number two, start meeting with probably, you know, if you're struggling, which means you have probably plenty of time. So spend a lot more time than money on your marketing and networking and really start honing that craft and do that. Uh, And then the third is trust that if you are in action and you are always improving yourself and you're in action, it will work out. Um, You know, there's, there's always going to be bumps in the road along this journey. I know I've had, a few and one that was really really difficult in 2015. So just trust that if you're in action and you're always improving, uh, you're gonna have a successful practice uh, in life.
0: So the three steps would be one, get some Dave Ramsey in your life.
1: Yes, that's what I did. Big part step
0: of it. two, get some Tony Robbins in your life. <laughs> yep. and then step three, get a mentor in your life who's doing it.
1: Yeah, I think so. And I think sometimes your mentor is just, uh, groups like yours. I mean,
0: that's, yeah. it's amazing what the crowd can provide you. That's right. Um, as always, it's a pleasure. Definitely. Uh, you want to go do karate in the garage? <laughs> <laughs> karate is great, man. I feel like we're stepbrothers, man. I love karate brothers from another mother. Yeah, you're the West Coast, Coast version of
1: triathlons. <laughs> you're, the, you're the West Coast version and I'm the East Coast version.
0: That's awesome, man. Um, I'll talk to you off the air and all that stuff. Thank you very Absolutely. much for being on the show. Uh, Thank you. Uh, you're the man. Everybody else is just visiting. <laughs> have a good one. You too.